Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. This is the Character and Smallman Podcast on 101 ESPN. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. It's 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Later in the day, we're going to hear from former Cardinal outfielder Andy Van Slyke. He'll be with us at 7.30. Our weekly visit, actually, this is twice weekly with Chris Kerber this week because Bernie Federico can't join us, and Jeremy Rutherford will join us in the 9 o'clock hour. Plus, at 8.30, what used to be the 4 o'clock fight is now just the fight. <laughs> And we'll have that at 8.30. And if you'd like to participate, you can sign up to do so by just texting the word FIGHT. And it's fun to use all caps. Just yell it, FIGHT! Yeah, of course. At 65780. Michelle Smallman, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Randy. How are you? I'm doing great. I am uh, excited that sports appears to be inching towards a return. And I don't know how you feel about this. Obviously, here in St. Louis, we want to see baseball and hockey. If it winds up being the NBA first, and you are an NBA devotee, <laughs> if it winds up being the NBA first, I have no problem with that. Just somebody come back and give me games to watch. I couldn't agree more, Randy. Obviously, if we had our choice here in St. Louis, it would be a league or a sport that pertains to us directly, whether it be hockey or baseball. But at this stage of the game, if you give me NBA, I'm in, I know that we've had NASCAR. I know we've had golf, golf. We've had things here and there. But I want a team sport. And if it's the NBA first, I will take the NBA. Now, Woj is reporting that teams are expecting the league will issue guidelines around June 1st next week that will allow franchises to start recalling players who've left their markets and the NBA season would resume by the end of July. This has been such a clean and non-contentious uh, track calendar towards an NBA season. And you've mentioned before, and as I observed it, I couldn't agree with you more. One of the great things about the NBA is that it is a soap opera. <laughs> Don't we need a villain to pop up like we have in baseball with Blake Snell? Doesn't some villain need to pop up for basketball during this process? Normally, I would say yes. I, I think that any sort of villain in sports is a positive. But I think right now, we don't even need, you don't even need the drama. You don't even need the circus. The virus is the villain? The virus is the villain. We're all competing. Again. The fact that there's no sports, that's the villain. The virus is the villain is the perfect way to put it. You know, if if all of the the NBA teams came back and they all said, hey, we're quarantining together and we're all riding banana boats like LeBron <laughs> and the crew did and we're all kumbaya, I don't think anyone would care. they say, great, whatever you can give us. But naturally, inherently with the NBA, I think once this gets going, a villain will present itself. Since I can't say this name, I can just say Woj. I will let you say Adrian W's name to say, here's ESPN's Adrian. Wojnowski. I don't think you can get as contentious as baseball is. I think there's a better there's a better working uh, relationship, especially among Adam Silver and the star players in the league. And you know this, Scott, the star players can drive so much of the conversation and the and help you know help shape the thinking of their peers around the league. And Adam Silver's relationships with those guys is strong more so than even some of the individual owners. And that's a big difference between the baseball between baseball and the NBA, and the financial structure is already set. They're not arguing right now 
over what the players are going to be played. The players know they're going to lose money based on how many games are canceled. The big fight in the NBA, Scott, is coming with next season. So great stuff there from Woj. Before we dive into that, it's four syllables, Randy. Wojnowski. Wojnowski. It's, it's like, it's, it's like remember Michael Omanawanui? Yeah, I can do that one. To Atunga Vailoa. It's okay, like give one, me, one give me the Buck Superstar. Uh, Giannis Atentacumpo. You are really good at this. I'm just going to have you do the names. Thank you. It's it's one of those things where you just have to practice it, but once you get it, it's it's embedded in your brain. I could so, do oh oh Manawanui. Or uh oh. You can just yeah, call him uh oh. Yeah. It's like Mike Shashevsky. Right. You probably don't remember. You would have been a little kid when Bud Light had him doing commercials <laughs> and people saying, Coach Krajewski. <laughs> 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 exactly. I'm sure Woj gets his name butchered on a daily basis, but just think four syllables and then Wojnowski. Wojnowski. There Wojnowski. you go. Okay, but back to what Woj said. Well, it, it does help them a lot that players are on board and players just want to play. And obviously, there are extenuating circumstances when you have a guy like LeBron, who is perhaps on his last best chance to win a championship. When you have a guy like Giannis, who is playing for that he's playing for that supermax contract if if revenues are what they were going to be next year and they're projected that way he can sign a 5 year deal for 250 million bucks how much do the bucks want to pay him more if he leads them to a championship but it's not just those two those those are the two at the top right mm-hmm. now but if if I'm an NBA player for myriad reasons I want to get back and the fact that they trust Adam Silver makes all the difference in the world it really does and you know Woj illustrated that about how the big difference here between the other sports seems to be the star players and their communication and their trust in Adam Silver but Adam Silver has a track record of proving to the players that he's going to have their best interest and the league's best interest at heart and I think the way the NBA has played this comparatively to other leagues is really impressive because it seems to be more of a collaboration. The NBA had a conference call with all, with a bunch of the star players and said, "What do you want to do? What is let's take your your emotional temperature on this. Let's see how you're feeling." And once they got the sense that players really did want to return, they wanted to figure something out. They started talking about it, and it seems like they were able to keep a lot of the discussions under wraps. You heard potential target dates, potential ideas, but you know, comparatively, the NBA, which is a drama-driven league, a star-driven league, for for it to be kind of flying under the radar with the decision-making here has been impressive. They're talking to each other rather than talking to the media. And they don't have knuckleheads like Snell popping up. And it appears to be a real rocky road for MLB. Here's ESPN's Tim Kirchin on Get Up. A former player who's now an instructor and has had 30 years in the game called me on the phone on a Sunday morning and started screaming about the proposal that the owners sent to the players. And he said, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. There is no chance we're going to play this season. That's what he told me. The next day, I spoke to a general manager who is very plugged in on this, and he told me that chances of playing this year are 100%. That's the rocky road that baseball has to traverse as opposed to the NBA that we were just talking about. It's it's smooth versus rocky. We talked about yesterday the emotional roller coaster we've been feeling with sports return, but I think it's heightened because of what we're seeing play out with Major League Baseball. And I said this yesterday, I'll say it again. The fact that Tim Kirchner, who's as plugged in as anyone, is getting such conflicting reports doesn't make me feel positive no. that this is going to happen. And hockey seems to be on the right track. Here is 
Greg Wyshynski of ESPN.com. The National Hockey League and its Players Association are talking about a 24-team conference-based playoff format for potential season restart this summer. That's 12 teams for each conference, seeded by their current points percentage in the standings at the time of the NHL's pause back on March 12th. The bottom eight seeds in each conference would play each other in five-game play-in series. Uh, the winners of those would advance to play the top four seeds in each conference in a traditional Stanley Cup playoff format. We're talking seven-game series at that point. The top four seeds in each conference, we're not really sure what they're going to be doing. We think they're going to be playing each other while those play-in series are going on, but we're not quite sure what the stakes are going to be yet. But those teams obviously don't want to sit idly by as everybody else is playing playoff intense hockey. Something unusually lucid on the part of the NHL that they would have it this way and allow those top four teams to play and we don't know like Wyshynski said what those three games or however many games the Blues would play uh, before they would have to play a real tournament what they would mean but at least you have three games to get in shape that's when I was first reading this I in the beginning of the ESPN article by Greg Wyshynski they talk about the top-seeded teams getting a bye. And before I got to the part where the top-seeded mm-hmm. teams would be playing in one another, I thought, this is terrible. You know, this is a negative for the Blues. They need to get out there. They need those reps. They need that competition. But then once I saw that the NHL recognized that as well and that they weren't going to make the top teams be punished with a bye, because it's essentially what it would be, yeah. um, I, I kind of like the idea. Again, we have to see what the implications would be in those games, but I like the idea that they would be playing against the toughest opponents. Iron sharpens iron right here's the and there's nothing you can do about this but an issue that i have is that you're allowing teams that would not have made the playoffs to make the playoffs now and i don't think anybody would be surprised if arrested taves kane keith crawford would win a first round series against dallas and then the blues would have to take on their arch rivals who are sharpened and rested in the first round of the playoffs you say that like it's a negative it would be awesome it would be for, I, from where it, i sit that sounds great but it would be scary <laughs> it would certainly be scary but we are craving sports we're craving this and Listen, I want high-stakes hockey. I I want to feel nervous. I want to feel anxious. I want to feel that hatred towards the Blackhawks. Those are feelings that have been buried inside all of us for a (laughs) long time. So, yes, it's scary from a a logistics standpoint. There's consequences if you're playing a hot team that could come in who wouldn't have necessarily made the playoffs. I understand what you're thinking about as far as parity is concerned. And for teams that have earned the right to be in the playoffs, that I would be upset if I was one of those. If I was a team that got bounced in the first round by a team that under normal circumstances would not have been there, yes, I would be upset. But when you say, hey, you've got a lot on the line, you could be playing the Blackhawks, we have sports back, these are things that are positives to me, Randy. This is my 2000 President's Trophy PTSD (laughs) kicking in. (laughs) Randy, we won the cup, it's okay, it's okay. No, no, we were talking about the possibility of four hub cities for the NHL. Wyshynski says, nope, not anymore. Initial plans for the NHL were to go to four different hub cities uh, based on each division. That appears to have gone by the wayside. Sources tell ESPN the focus is now on two hub cities, one of which could be Las Vegas. Now, when the playoff schedule is set and the format is set, then we'll know what the schedule can be for the NHL draft lottery and the NHL draft itself, which is now expected to be held after the season. And then comes the tough stuff. We're talking arena locations. We're talking accommodations, cost, 
travel restrictions, and above all else, COVID-19 testing for players. I'm Greg Wyshynski, ESPN. All right. Thank you, Greg. And one of the things, one of the places that I could envision now that I might not have last week at this time is Tampa. With a nice arena, they've obviously got enough hotel rooms because they've been a Super Bowl city in the past. Uh, They have enough rinks there, and I would think players would be on board with going to Florida. The Cardinals have players down in Florida. There are going to be baseball teams working out down there. I wonder if Tampa might wind up being the hub city for the East with Vegas for the West. That's interesting because my initial thought was we heard so much about Minnesota Mm -hmm. and the accommodations there and how that would be a great hub city. Vegas makes sense as far as logistics are concerned. And I I didn't wonder if they wouldn't have it on, on each coast where it might be central with Minnesota and then the West Coast option with Vegas as well. And St. Louis, all the East Coast teams could easily make it to St. Louis. Oh, yeah. But because of the the amount of cases per 100,000 people in the city, we probably aren't going to be one of the places that would be attractive simply because of the prevalence of the virus in the city of St. Louis. Yeah. Brandy, is it is it as weird to you as it is to me that Everything every day with the NHL, it seems like there's a drastic swing in one of these logistical components. At the beginning of the week, we hear eight or nine hub cities. Yesterday, we hear hear four. Today, we hear two. It seems like day to day. It's not even week to week. It's day to day. Mm-hmm. Things are changing pretty rapidly. But one of the things, and you're right, and I I don't think that this is a product of one side or the other saying no, because you've got a group of players and a group of league representatives that have their return to play committee. This is a real committee that's meeting every day and I think they're probably just sitting back and saying you know what that idea is not as good as this one I think it's an evolving situation rather than a contentious situation I like that word evolving let's evolve towards some games huh yeah let's do that that is Michelle I'm Randy it's Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN one word you didn't think you were going to hear much anymore next on 101 ESPN can't move to the ball he's fielded and here goes Keith Humphrey and they're going to turn it around with room on the near side. And for the first time, they get creative. And the Battle Hawks have the sideline. And a kickoff return for Joe Powell to the end zone. And now they say he stepped out. No, touchdown, St. Louis. Not all of them were great, but uh, our friend Daniel Kaplan of The Athletic (laughs) wrote yesterday, Michelle loves it. Michelle was on the field for that kick return. That was thrilling, wasn't it? Randy, I just got goosebumps when I heard that call. It was great. Just just that phrase, touchdown St. Louis, when you hear that, it sounds so sweet. And we hadn't heard it in so long. And to hear the crowd going crazy in that call. Awesome. Those games that we had at the Dome were so special. Well, Daniel Kaplan at The Athletic and a friend of the show, obviously, uh, writes that NFL or XFL creditors seem to believe that owner Vince McMahon is positioning to buy the league out of bankruptcy. He would buy his own product out of bankruptcy. And XFL president Jeffrey Pollack has contacted the stadiums in Seattle and here in St. Louis about reinstating the league's lease agreements. And the reason that Vince McMahon would do this is because... He wouldn't have, he was able to avoid paying a tremendous amount of money during the pandemic to keep that league going. He can put it into bankruptcy, buy it for pennies on the dollar, and then start it up again next year. We all need some hope right now, Randy. 
mm-hmm. when I saw this article and when I and I read about this, I, I know some people are going to talk about business ethics and whatnot. I wanted to cry when I read this article because we really had a great, great thing going with the Battlehawks. That was a, a relationship that was very genuine and pure between the city and this team. And to think that before everything got shut down, you could have had... 40 plus people at the dome for a game versus LA and just a life that was breathed into downtown and in a sector of downtown that it didn't exist. And just to have football fans have that back in St. Louis, I, I, it may come to bite me in the end, but I'm going to put all my hope into this and really hope that this happens because that was such a wonderful development for St. Louis. And we want to hear from you with the mic drop feature, the Rhino Shield mic drop uh, with the 101 ESPN app. You can download that app for free. But could you trust the XFL again? Did you buy tickets? Have you gotten refunds for tickets? And that's one part of this is that McMahon wants to refund all the tickets to maintain goodwill with fans. But if the XFL came back after you lost it, after only two home games, could you make that emotional and financial investment again? Now, why would Vince McMahon do this? Here is Daniel Kaplan yesterday in the fast lane. This is the scenario. He has a business, the XFL. It's halfway through its first season. The pandemic hits. He has players to pay. He has executive staff to pay. He has team staff to pay. And he doesn't think he can't play the rest of the season. He's not sure he can play in 2021. But he loves the concept of the XFL, he thinks it did really well in the first five weeks. You obviously saw the success in St. Louis. So he throws it into bankruptcy, which relieves him of all the contractual obligations. He doesn't have to pay the team presidents. He doesn't have to pay the players. But he buys the intellectual property, the rights to the XFL team logos, the rights to the rules, to, to even to the ball, which was unique to the XFL. And then if time passes and things improve, he can restart it. All right, Michelle, you were an employee of the league. Would you, I know that you're excited about the idea, would you and could you trust them from that perspective again? Yes, I could. Um, I think a lot of people are having to make decisions on survival right now, financial Mm -hmm. decisions on survival. And when I look at the, when I take everything that has happened during the COVID pandemic and all that aside, the folding of the XFL, the bankruptcy stuff. When I just think about the XFL as a whole, I saw a league and a team in the Battle Hawks that came into St. Louis and they said, hey, what do you, we want this to be a partnership to the fans. We, they were in the community. They said, what do you want to see out of your game day experience? Everything that happened in that dome, everything that happened outside of the dome, the tailgating, the the players and the team officials doing all of the charity work, that was designed for St. Louis. They They care about the community. They want the fans to embrace and enjoy the product. And I... That's rare. That's a very rare characteristic out of a professional league. So I definitely think that, you know, we talk about the goodwill factor of the XFL wanting to, in some way, make this up to the fans. I think they're going to go above and beyond to do so. One person that they would have to go above and beyond for, and they aren't getting uh, their commissioner Oliver Luck back, but the the primary reason that the league worked in St. Louis is Kurt Hunziker, Mm -hmm. the president. And he obviously was jilted, and he left a job to come here to become the president of the Battle Hawks, if I were Vince McMahon and I were serious about this, I would be on the phone or have been on the phone with Kurt Hunziker already because your most successful franchise was successful because of the leadership and the foresight of one guy. And I don't know, I don't know how jilted 
Kurt feels by this, or our friends like Brian Stull, who was the PR man there. But I think there are fences to mend, clearly, on Vince McMahon's part. There are fences to mend, and I think that if the XFL does come back, they are going to take a deep look at St. Louis and see what worked here and now how they can replicate it elsewhere to some of the markets that necessarily didn't have the same success. And I don't wonder if they look at this as a restart and they say, okay, this wasn't necessarily working in an XYZ market. Why don't we relocate them to cities like St. Louis that have that civic pride that will embrace a team like this because they don't have football or, or maybe they are so football passionate I just think that they might try to revamp things a little bit the second time around, or I guess the third time around. From the 314, I got season tickets and I have not been paid back yet. I'll wait and see if I have trust in the league. And another from the 314 that it would take at least five years to return. I don't think that makes much sense because the XFL wants to reinstate a three-year lease at the Dome, and the intellectual property is already owned by the league. All the physical assets, like helmets and jerseys and computers, are owned by the league. They've got the infrastructure there. If they can get the people, it wouldn't take long to rebuild a league. You're going to have to take care of your creditors, obviously, and get people, like coaches, to trust you to come and work for you again. But... There's a th- if they want to reinstate a three-year lease, it doesn't make any sense to have five years before you would play again. The only thing that makes me wonder if this will, in fact, be successful this next time around, if it happens, is what, what's it going to look like if there's no fans there? Because the XFL mm-hmm. can only survive with passionate fan support. It's not the NFL. It's not, it's not Major League Baseball. They need that money generated through the turnstile. And and maybe it is five years because we don't know when when mm-hmm. fans are going to be allowed back in the stands. But I don't think that they would reboot this in an environment where fans could not be present. No, it's impossible to do. And you're right. That's even though there were teams that were doing OK without fans in terms of playing the game, they need to reach a point where the pandemic won't be an issue for them. He would have to hope that by next February, next March, that it would be on a different plane or at least look at 2022 as a, a new jumping off point but you, you certainly have no idea what the world's going to look like in 5 years and Vince McMahon is in his 70s he I don't think that Vince McMahon can be on a 5 year plan to start a new league yeah you know I'm, we're putting all of our eggs in the hope basket yeah. I don't even, I don't even want to think about that because even even thinking that it might get resurrected was enough to make me very pumped as an observer I can be excited about it but as somebody who wasn't financially invested in it, in, uh, and I, by the way, did get, I bought tickets for one game, and I did get a refund for that game. I don't even know, uh, no, because I got a refund on my credit card bill. So I, I did get a refund, but I didn't buy season tickets that have to be refunded to me. I could buy back in very easily, because I, even though I loved it, I hadn't really emotionally invested, so it didn't break my heart mm-hmm. when it, when they were gone. But, yeah, I could get back into it very easily, as long as it's the Battlehawks and we're going, Kakaw! Kakaw! And they're going to embrace Kakaw big time. I wonder, though, Randy, and I'll make this one quick, the 
part of the buy-in from St. Louis, at least a, a faction of the St. Louis football fan, was to prove Stan Kroenke mm-hmm. and prove the NFL wrong. That's already been done. We, St. Louis showed up loud. They showed up proud. They packed the dome. They were the darling of the XFL, and they got national acclaim for it. Now that that box has been checked, now that that narrative has been debunked, I wonder if people will still... I know some people love the Battlehawks. They love the XFL. They're going to want to... They love football. They want a reason to go down there. But if that, that... you know, revenge factor isn't there for a lot of people. I wonder if those people will want to invest again. Are you going to pay your hard-earned dollars to literally cheer for the laundry because you don't know any other players? That's And we were rooting for St. Louis with the Battlehawks. Are we going to do that with a rebooted team? Great question. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, Andy Van Slyke is one of the brightest minds in baseball, former player, obviously, and a former coach. What does he think about the return of baseball? Andy is next on 101 ESPN. With Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. And we go to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. And one of our favorites is the former Cardinal outfielder, former Pirate All-Star, and a major league coach for multiple teams, the one and only Andy Van Slyke. Slick, how are you doing this morning? Well, good morning, Randy. Who are you with over there this today? Is, uh, Michelle Smallman is here. Oh, Michelle, yes. I, good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Andy. How are you doing? I'm doing better than I deserve. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, first of all... Hey, and if I, if I, another thing, Randy, if I'm one of your favorites, how come I'm only on once a year with you? I mean, you call me when you got nobody else to call. Is that what the deal is? This is, is not the deal. Actually, I wanted to do something <laughs> regularly with you during the season once we got going. Hey, I, I got to ask a question because I had forgotten this. I was out with uh, Rick Horton playing golf a couple of weeks ago, and he reminded me of 1997 spring training, how you were going to be in the Cardinal outfield. And I, I forgotten that can you take us through that how that that happened and then kind of fell apart for you oh gosh you're gonna you know you open up old wounds here dude um because you were you were yeah, really was, good and, and you had worked hard to get back into shape that's that- i yeah i had worked for espn the previous baseball season and um you know after playing as long as i did and never really give my my body a chance to really truly heal in the offseason here's what people don't understand <clears throat> Is you know if you're an everyday player, and you know you played, you know I played 12 seasons on AstroTurf up to that point. You know my body was really beat up at, at 35 years old. So uh, I, I I stopped playing, and you know about the three four months after stopped playing, and then once the season started, I was working for ESPN. I just had that drive, and it wasn't gone yet. So. When I was working for ESPN, I kept working out, and I started feeling better and better and better. And put on some weight for the first time, really got in the weight room because, as you know, Randy, back in the 80s, early 90s, weights were not part of baseball, mm-hmm. but it had become, it had come to fruition where lifting weights and getting stronger and bigger was, was, was the new way baseball was going. So I, I went along with that program and gained about 15 pounds of muscle and came into spring training and, and felt great. And actually, um, to be honest with you, I was the best player in camp that spring. I hit uh, 525 that spring and really was, uh, I think, on my way to uh, making the team. But at, at the last couple of weeks, I had pulled a calf muscle, and that really slowed me down uh, to, uh, to to be able to make the team. And they were going to send me back to AAA, and and I was just had a new baby on the way in April, and I wasn't going to go back to AAA. 
do you regret that that's the way it ended for you, or have you come to you had a great career? Or have have you come to grips with the way you left the game as a player? Well, there's two there's two things that I shouldn't say regret. I wish that regrets a really bad word to use yeah, it is. when you play as long as you know. Anybody who regrets anything that happened during a career, it doesn't. I think that has the wrong perspective or the wrong prism of looking through the lens with. There's two things I wish were different. I wish I had started my career and finished my career with St. Louis, but obviously that didn't happen. I got traded to Pittsburgh. But I wanted to end my career in St. Louis, and I wanted to have an opportunity because I lived here. Uh, I put my roots down here to be able to finish my career sleeping in my bed and driving to work as, as a Cardinal. That would have been the best way to go out, but it didn't happen. Andy, let's fast forward to today. Life's been difficult for all of us without baseball, but uh, reading the report, seeing the proposal that Major League Baseball has presented to the players and the Players Association, what do you make of the proposal that the owners had set forth and um, all of the health restrictions and protocol that they've put into place for the players? Uh, ridiculous. <laughs> it's about the first word that comes to mind. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's like, you know, asking players not to spit is I can ask them not to make a crotch adjustment during the baseball game. It's just it's just part of what happens when a baseball player is in competition, right? I mean, there's so many of these things that are you cannot avoid. I mean, you're gonna you're you're gonna come in contact all the time when you're when you're in a team environment, you know. And then to ask coaches and managers to wear you know masks in the dugout. I mean. Some of these things are just eyewash, and the reality is that that's, in my opinion, that's not going to make any difference at all when it, when it comes to the safety protocols that they're looking for. It's just you can't. There's no way that that, that can happen, and you know, it's just the whole this whole idea of, of thinking that um, is ridiculous. But, I mean, you can actually you, you two can get on a plane today. And think about this. You can get on a plane today and put 200 people on that plane sitting eight inches away from somebody. But we can't put people in, in the stands outside on a, on, a, on a warm day in June. When the, when the, when the whole idea of this, this virus be, doesn't spread in warm climates outside, it, nothing makes sense to me. Andy Van Slake is with us. Either totally, totally open it up. Or don't put restrictions on what we're trying to do because it's just not going it, it, to work. And Slick, I, I was wondering if what the owners was, were trying to do here was basically to negotiate a waiver on the part of the players. Throw all this stuff out there and say, so that if a player does contract the coronavirus, they can say, hey, mm -hmm. this is the deal we made and all of this stuff was laid out for you. That's right. I think if what they're trying to do just have it both ways. They, they want to open up and they want to protect themselves at the, at the same time. And here's the thing, Randy. You can't protect yourself in the dangers of this world. I mean, there's no guarantee that when you take off on a plane that the, the plane is going to land safe. I mean, you know, it's a dangerous world we live in. And if, if, it's, if you think the dangers are so great that uh, your life is in jeopardy just because you might can you know get this virus? Then don't go in that environment. That's my opinion. You know, don't don't put yourself in that environment. And you know, I think what Major League Baseball was doing was was trying to protect themselves and get the season started at, at the same time. It's and that's not going to work. You got to say, listen, this is this is what's going to happen. Players, you know what the risks are. If you don't want to play, 
don't come and play. But we're going to open up the season. Andy, the other aspect of this that seems to be a point of contention is obviously the revenue split. What was your reaction when you saw that the owners presented a 50-50 revenue share? Well, my, my perspective out of the game is I think it's it's a good idea. If I was playing, I would think it's a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, to be honest with you, you know, we're always looking, you know, at our own pockets, you know, first. And, and the, the good of uh, the health of the financial part is, of the game is second. But, look, it, it's, it's such a unique um, situation that I think players are going to have to swell their pride a little bit. And, look, it's... You know, two dollars in your pocket is better than than no no dollars in your pocket. So get back to playing, take the money that is proposed, and move on. Because next year, I think we'll, we'll be able to say that uh, at least we tried to do the right thing, and we got this. We got some kind of season um, for the fans and for ourselves to, to move forward with. Hey, Andy, I want to ask you about the Cardinals and specifically about Dylan Carlson. He's played 18 games at AAA. He's really young. You were 22 when the Cardinals called you up, and you only played 54 mm-hmm. games at the AAA level. And you've worked with a lot of young players as a coach. Tell us about mm-hmm. the adjustment. Every player is different, obviously, but the adjustment when you haven't played much AAA, making it to the major leagues. Well, I think it's it's uh, it's not a physical adjustment more than it is um you know the mental aspect, and um, <clears throat> there. I think, Randy, the, the, the chasm between AAA and the big leagues is, is greater than it's ever been. You know, when I, when I was first coming up, you know, back, you can remember when, you know, the, the, the difference between AAA and the big leagues wasn't that great. But I think today, because we push players so fast through the system that all the great talent, even if it's inexperienced, even though we we uh, uh, allow young players to make mistakes at the big league level, um, the difference between all the talent in baseball is all, all at the top of the game now. And I think it used to be spread out a little bit more in AAA. So he's going to be playing against competition uh, at a level that he hasn't seen before. So if he fails a little bit, if he doesn't play up to the expectations, I think when the guy got has the talent that he has, he'll catch up over time. You know, it, it may take a month, it may take five months, it may take a season or two. But when you have the talent he has, he should be a big league baseball player. And, and like we saw with you, you just have to play, right? You, you need to get reps. You if, have if, to play. Yeah, if, if you're sitting, you aren't going to get any better. No, I mean you can you can practice you know the tango all you want, but you have to give you have to go out there on stage and dance to it to find out if you're ready or not. Well, I, I hope we play, and uh, once we get rolling here, be, and you're willing to wake up and come on with us, so uh, we'll, we'll have you as a regular. <laughs> so. If you get some kind of government fund, then you, get, then you guys can pay me. How's that? <laughs> Sounds good. Andy, it's great to you're hear your small, voice. You're a small business. You're a small business guy, so you'll figure it out. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll find a way. Absolutely. Uh, hey, All uh, right. say hi to Lori and the boys, and uh, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. All right, guys. Thank you. See you later. That is Andy Van Slyke with us on 101 ESPN. I was a, a very young broadcaster. I was, when he came up, I was 21. He came up to the majors at 22. And the Cardinals made the Keith Hernandez trade to wow. bring him up to the majors. And I went over to what is now the ballpark Hilton. It was in the, the Marriott at the ballpark. And 
Andy's first interview as a major leaguer was with me. We we visited on the patio over at the the ballpark Hilton, and uh, that was how we met, very first time. That is amazing. And do you remember any of the things you asked him? Just we we talked actually about that, how little time he had had to be in AAA. And the pressure of replacing Keith Hernandez in a lineup. The team had won wow. the World Series the year before, and he's supposed to be the next Keith Hernandez. Plug him in as your left-handed hitting uh, number three hitter. And we, we talked about that. But Andy's always been like that. He's a really smart guy and pays attention and obviously had a fantastic major league career. So we, I've known Andy now for 37 years. 37. Yeah, and no pressure. Just replace Keith Hernandez. No yeah. big deal. Yeah, June 16th of... 1983. Wow. Gosh, mega mind. You remember everything. Well, the trade deadline used to be on June 15th. <laughs> there you go. Good call. Good call. <laughs> That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Great to have you with us on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Freeze Pops is standing by. We're going to play Take It or Leave It. Get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. And Tioli is coming your way on 101 ESPN. We do appreciate your texts to the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. And it's time for Tioli. Get your text in now. Colin Surrey has your text for us on 101 ESPN. Colin, what do you got? All right, you guys. Because of the pandemic, grocery stores around the country have emptied their salad bars of veggies and replaced them with nips of alcohol, which are always great for sneaking into places. Nip bars should permanently permanently replace salad bars. Take it or leave I'm going to take the general concept and I'm going to leave the name. Let's not call it a nip bar. <laughs> I think we can call it a booze bar or something okay. else, you know. But I love yeah, that. We, we've got nip bars on the other side of the room. Yeah, exactly. Let's not get it, let's not get it twisted here, okay? We need some delineation of what we're talking about. And nip bars are for the ill side, all right? But... <laughs> Got to recover from that one. But, yeah, I think this is a great idea, you know, with, with the veggies. E- even if everything was going well, if you're a grocery store, the veggies, you know, those expire. You're constantly trying to refresh. Why not just have alcohol, those little airplane bottles in there? I think it's a great idea. I do think that should be in addition to the salad bar and all the bars. And that's one of the real bummers for me about this is that... Schnooks, for example, at De Pere has a magnificent salad bar that mm-hmm. I absolutely love. But then they've got a wing bar and a shrimp bar. Ooh. Having had to, but I hate not having those accessible to me at all times. <laughs> yeah. If I get a hankering for some shrimp at, you know, three in the afternoon with these hours now, I want to go over and grab some shrimp. I mean, if you get a hankering, you got to go for it, right? Absolutely, yeah. I, now I want to go over there and check that out. That sounds amazing. Yeah, once they're back. It'll be awesome. All right, we're going. And our friends at Schnooks, I think, will will love having us there. So, yeah, nip bars, no alcohol or, you know, well, not nip bars, no. Nip bars, no in groceries. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, let's not combine the two. Yeah. Seems unsanitary. Yeah, alcohol or uh, mini bottle bars or something like that. All right, now that Michelle's recovered from that last one. Have I? I don't know. We're not sure. We'll find out. But former Mizzou star Alden Smith has been reinstated by the NFL and been given the okay to play for the Dallas Cowboys. Smith has been out of the league since 2015 after dealing with a bevy of off-field issues and really hasn't played a full season since, I think, 2011, 2012, something like that. Alden Smith has already been given enough chances. This is a mistake by the NFL. Take it or leave it. Michelle, I have to leave this. I'm all for seventh chances. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. 
I love I love next chances. <laughs> I'm gonna leave it as well because Alden Smith was dealing with some pretty severe issues. Mm-hmm. And if a team does their due diligence and realizes that he's on the right path and that maybe football is a great vehicle for him to stay on that path, why not give him a chance? I mean, everybody in St. Louis knows how physically talented oh. he is. He is a, When he is right, when he is healthy, he is a force. Do you remember what he did to Adam Goldberg that one day in San Francisco when he just literally ran over Adam Goldberg and then sprinted back to the bench? It was a third down play. Unbelievable. <laughs> he was a beast. He was a beast. So, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it that it's a mistake by the NFL. Um, I would like to see him have some success again. I'll find the clip. There was a Dodgers pitcher in the late 70s, early 80s named Steve Howe who had major substance abuse problems. And one of the lines in, uh, I think, the first... No, it was the second Naked Gun movie. Uh, Frank Drebin with Anna Nicole Smith. I don't remember what her name was in the movie. But he said, this is your last chance. And I'm not talking about one of those Major League Baseball Steve Howe second last chances either. (laughs) Or NFL. (laughs) All right, you guys. As we've discussed, and Andy Van Slyke as well, as we just heard, one of the biggest points of contention for the players in MLB's safety proposal is the ban on spitting. Baseball will be unable to effectively enforce the spitting ban. Take it or leave it. I'm going to... Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead, Michelle. I was going to say, I'm going to take that so hard. I think that it's going to be impossible to police this or monitor this for Major League Baseball. And I think when you are asking players to go out there and compete, you're, there's parts of what they do that is subconscious. They're not going to be and yes, I know we are all having to adjust things that we do in our normal daily routines to protect others. But I think if you're think about when you're running, if you have to spit or it's just something that's so inherent within them. You know, the way Andy Van Slyke described it, it's it's just a, a physical, I can't even describe it, but I just think that players, whether they intend to or not, are going to find themselves spitting on the baseball field. And if you're Major League Baseball, are you going to have spit monitors up in the like, yeah. press level? So if Harrison Bader spits in center field, you've got binoculars on the guy, say, oh, he spit. How are you going to stop somebody from spitting? Now, if he's like Matt Holiday and has like a... Uh, a, a one-yard circle of <laughs> sunflower seeds around him, then you, you can tell. But for most guys, it's going to be very difficult for Major League Baseball to keep an eye on nine different players when there's not going to be people allowed in the stadium to to make sure that they aren't spitting. Even in the dugout. Right. And and again, what are the consequences if a player does spit? What's the ramific- What are the ramifications going to be? Because unless the first player that does it, you say, "Hey, this is the this is your punishment," and it's something that's going to really resonate with the other players, saying, "Hey, we don't want to impact our team in that way." If if somebody does it and then they say, "Hey, you're not allowed to do that," you don't think that every other baseball player is going to say, "Well, nothing happened. I'm right. just going to go they, ahead and do it." Spit. Yeah, yeah. And it's not like they're spitting on each other, right? So it's there's a a lot of room between outfielders and infielders in regards to spitting. So I'm not worried about it. And I get where Major League Baseball is coming from, as you discussed with Andy Vance Like, they're it's a liability thing. They're yeah. trying to protect themselves, protect the players from not getting sick and contracting this virus. But at some point you have to realize that that sports is going to do what sports does mm-hmm. at some point and players are going to they're gonna make mistakes. There's yeah. there's going to be parts of this that players violate. 
It was announced earlier this week that the U.S. Open would not be having qualifying events this year because of the pandemic. It's the first time this has happened since 1924. Having no qualifiers for the U.S. Open will cheapen the victory for the eventual winner. Take it or leave it. I gotta leave that. It's not like we have the qualifiers winning. So, uh, no, you're going to have the best of the best there. And the person that comes out on top, it wasn't going to be a qualifier. It wasn't going to be Tony Romo anyway. Right. So, no, it doesn't cheapen it at all. Yeah, I'm going to leave it as well. I think in any sports, when they come back, whoever emerges as the champion, will look at the season, we'll look back on the 2020 season and say, in some cases, I respect that champion more because mm-hmm. of everything that they've had to endorse. Athletes are so routine-based that when your routines are disrupted in any way, shape, or form, whether it's even going out in a qualifier and knowing that that's the time you're going to work on X skill or scout your competition or scout a course, whatever it may be, I I think I would even look back and say, I respect you more. I would never look back and say that it cheapened it in any way. Thank you, Colin. Thank you. And thank you very much for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Michelle and Randy and... Seems like sports are closing in on coming back across the board. That's next on 101 ESPN. That was the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.